Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Before Breakfast, a production of iHeartRadio. Good morning. This is Laura. Welcome to the Before Breakfast podcast. Today's tip is about the best way to allocate your work hours so you don't have to work around the clock. I recently got a letter from a Before Breakfast listener who had listened to the Split Shift episode. That episode looked at strategies for preserving family and personal time if you needed to work long hours. This listener wondered about the right length for a work week. She worked her 40 hours, she wrote, which is a normal full-time job, but she was hearing on this podcast of people wanting to work 50 or 60-hour weeks. She wondered if this was common and if working long hours was necessary for success. This listener noted that she was protective of her personal life and didn't want to work at night or weekends, but she wondered if those barriers made her seem like a bad worker. Well, as someone who works about 40 hours a week as my long-term average, I certainly hope that doesn't make us seem like bad workers. I do think it's possible to do a lot in 40 hours a week. The key is being very strategic. That's because success isn't about just doing the work in front of you. You have to build your skills. You have to dream up future projects. You have to build your career capital. All this takes time, though the good news is that it doesn't take an infinite amount of time. In a well-planned work week, you can find space for all of it. Since I've seen thousands of time logs over the years, I've learned that many successful people do not work around the clock. Indeed, work hours by themselves often have nothing to do with how important you are. I was reminded of this when Inc. Magazine had me study the schedules of several high-profile entrepreneurs on a single day in November of 2016. Since I tracked my time, I also knew how I spent that day in November of 2016. And guess what? I wound up working more hours on that day than most of these famous, successful people. I can tell you for sure that the demand for my time is not as high as the demand for their time. Work hours are not a sign of how important you are. Indeed, we have data that CEOs in general don't work around the clock. In a future episode, I'll talk more about a large CEO time diary study. But for the purposes of this episode, this particular study found that the average work week for these people was about 60 hours. It wasn't 100 hours a week. I also find that different people work in different ways. I recently finished reading Mason Curry's new book about the daily rituals of women artists. He also wrote another book a few years ago that covered the daily rituals of famous men and women. Some of these successful creative sorts worked long, strange hours. I guess we all love tales of that sculptor who works best at 2 a.m. But others had much more normal routines. A common one might be to go to the studio or office from 8 a.m. to noon and do intense creative work. After a lunch break, research, emails, meetings, and phone calls might consume 1 to 5 p.m. or so. That's eight hours a day, but spent wisely, it can be enough. The key is being intentional. Planning a strategic 40-hour work week means knowing what you intend to accomplish and leaving plenty of space for stuff to come up. 
A smart work week requires doing the stuff of your job, of course, just like an artist planting herself in her studio from 8 to 12 each day to work on her commissions would do. Then there will likely be administrative tasks. If you reach a certain point, you can delegate some of this, but it's hard to get that down to zero. Then there's the stuff you do, as race car driver Sarah Fisher once put it in an interview, that increases our exposure and broadens our scope. I really love this phrase because it neatly sums up the idea of building career capital. Part of broadening one's scope means practicing skills. One reason I still blog multiple times per week, even though no one's paying me to do it, is that it's a great way to hone my writing technique. I practice making arguments. I practice telling stories, and I see what people like and what they don't or what they ignore. Broadening your scope can also mean taking on speculative work. You try something new even though you don't know what will come of it because you think it might lead to big things in the future. You spend time thinking of new ideas and seeing what's out there that other people are doing that you could augment or iterate on in some way. As for increasing your exposure, this is yet another way to think of networking. How can you share your ideas with an ever-expanding, ever-more-influential audience? You can get to know people one-on-one and through mass channels, like being a guest on a podcast or giving a talk at an industry conference. All these things are necessary for long-term success. Some hours are just spent and done, but hours spent increasing your exposure and broadening your scope are investments. They have a long-term payoff in terms of advancing your career. These things also take time. Of course, they don't need to take a ton of time. If you faithfully split 10 hours per week among various skill-building, speculative, and networking activities, you would build a ton of career capital. If you can make space for those 10 hours within a normal work week, then sure, you can conquer the world working from nine to five. If you don't make space for these things, though, then it's going to be a lot harder. It's not about the hours themselves. It's about how you spend them. And if you don't have the flexibility to be able to use normal working hours for these time investments, then you might have to do them on top of your normal job. And that's when the hours start stacking up. But even so, they don't have to stack up too far. If you could do your normal work in 35 to 40 hours a week, then 10 additional hours of career capital work just takes us to 45 to 50 hours. This is still pretty reasonable. There are 168 hours in a week. If you work 50 and sleep 8 hours a night or 56 hours per week, this still leaves 62 hours for other things. So take some time today and think about where you could find space in your professional schedule for 10 hours a week or 2 hours a day to increase your exposure and broaden your scope. Over time, these career-building hours can transform how you spend every other hour at work, whether that's 30 hours, 40 hours a week, or whatever number works for you. In the meantime, this is Laura. Thanks for listening, and here's to making the most of our time. Hey, everybody. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me your tips, your questions, or anything else. Just connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Before Breakfast Pod. That's B-E, the number four, then breakfast, P-O-D. 
You can also shoot me an email at beforebreakfastpodcast at iheartmedia.com. That before breakfast is spelled out with all the letters. Thanks so much. I look forward to staying in touch. Before Breakfast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.